Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I am excited about today. I'm looking forward to bringing on Dr. Alex McFarlane in just a minute. Beverly Canaris is going to join me as well. We're going to talk about the biblical understanding of foolishness. But I can't believe it's May 1st tomorrow, and I'm thinking about uh, what's coming up in May. One event, which is on May 9th, is Mother's Day. And if you want to nominate your mom, maybe it's your uh, wife or a stepmom or a mentor, we would love to hear that uh, testimony. You can bless that person in your life this Mother's Day with a Faith Radio Blessing Moms and Mentors giveaway. You can nominate them for a really special gift set that we have, and you can find out lots more about that and nominate her today at MyFaithRadio.com. Dr. Alex McFarlane is a regular guest on the show. I always love when he can come on. He's currently at the Denver airport, which I believe he's getting ready to get on a plane to go somewhere. Alex, welcome. Well, thank you, Bill, and uh, thanks for bearing with the background noise. No problem. The airport of the 19th largest American city. (laughs) And where are you headed this weekend? Well, Lubbock, Texas. Okay. Uh, Any listeners, I'm actually going to be at a church. uh, Well, it's right near Lubbock, First Baptist Church of Silverton, Texas, which is really the, the greater Lubbock area. So, Bill, I know you and I are music aficionados, so may I ask you a music trivia question? Yeah, you may. What very, very famous singer is associated with Lubbock, Texas? Do you know? Is it, um, um, yeah, I know who this is. It's um, very, very influential in the life of the Beatles. Yes. Um, is it, um, no, it's not, not him. <laughs> it's, um, mm, you may give you a hint. Yeah, please. Peggy Sue, that'll be the day. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly. Buddy Holly, yeah. The home, hometown of, of Lubbock, Texas. So that's where I'm headed to okay. this weekend. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, man. Awesome. So yeah. just to get things started, I was uh, making a little um, announcement about our little Blessing Moms and Mentors giveaway. And do you, uh, is your mom still with us? My mother is in heaven. Okay. And... You know, uh, I'm so glad you all are doing that. Uh, Bill, I just, you and Faith Radio are just the best of the best. And I was listening while I was on hold, the recording about the uh, the Mother's Day thing, or, or one of the announcements about it. And I just think it's so wonderful to honor mothers. I do, too. And, uh, I, I got to tell you, um, the the love of a Christian mother, the prayers of a godly mom, uh, that's one of the greatest forces in all of nature. You know, we, we get a lot of correspondence these days from parents of prodigals and moms that are concerned for their kids raised in church, raised in the ways of the Lord, and maybe they wandered away. But I've got to believe that the, the prayers of a, of a Christian mom really do um, make a, an impact in the councils of heaven. And so probably 
more of us than we'll ever know this out of heaven. Mm-hmm. We've come to know Christ, and we're walking with the Lord thanks to the intercession of a Christian mother. Yeah. Alex, would you tell me a little bit about your mom? Well, thanks very much. Um, my mom is in heaven right now. Her, na- her um, name was Rebecca Strawn McFarland, S-T-R-A-U-G-H-A-N. My mother loved the Lord. My mom was a public school teacher for 28 years. Wow. Uh, we had a chicken farm, and uh, I've, I've often said, Bill, if you need to lose a lot of money <laughs> and you need to do it fast, go into the egg and chicken business. Okay. And so my mom went back at age 50 to get a master's degree. This was like about 1980. And um, she went back, and, you know, at the time I didn't really appreciate what a thing this was. But, I mean, you look at this, you know, we were in 1980. My mom and dad were deep in debt. The farm was not doing well. And she goes back and gets her master's degree and gets a better position in the school system. And, you know, that was a gutsy thing to do. It sure was. was, And um, mom, you know, I'll tell you this. I was with her uh, up until, you know, right before she died. And she had a brain aneurysm. This was in 2014. And so uh, she was in the hospital, and, um, of course, we had all said our goodbyes, and family came in, and we said, I love you, and, you know, just all the things that we wanted to say. And so she was conscious, which she had been unconscious, in and out of consciousness for a lot of days. And I said, is there anything I can get you? And she whispered, a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> she loved a chocolate milkshake. Uh-huh. My mom, so I, I flew, it's like 2 in the morning, and I went to, there's this drive-through that I knew was open. And I, I could only give her like a little drop of chocolate milkshake on the end of a straw. Mm-hmm. And I gave her two little bites, and she went to sleep. And um, I laid down to go to sleep. And while I was asleep, she passed away. But it dawned on me. Here's the thing. And my mom was a devout Christian. And she was a real thinker, I'll tell you. But she gave me, well, she brought me into this world and gave me my first food. And I had the privilege of administering the last food she ever ingested this side of heaven. And, um, yeah, she she was great. And she cut me no slack. And she was pretty strict, but I'm glad, Bill, because uh, she could have even been more strict. But, um, anyway, thank the Lord for the Christian moms. I had a great one. Yeah. Did you guys have uh, a nightly dinner around the table? We did. Um, and, you know, I mean, I, I guess I, you know, I'm a child of the 70s, you know. I mm-hmm. was a teenager. Um, I was born in 64, so I remember, you know, we we had dinner like virtually always at six o'clock going out to a restaurant was a treat. I mean, do you remember those days, Bill, when you didn't just eat out like every single day, you know? <laughs> and, and yeah, we had, we had meal time and it was, it was great. You know, growing yep. up on a farm. Um, do you remember that show, the Waltons? Yes. And you know, the grandparents lived there and, you know, good night, John Boy, and right. all that. 
Right. I mean, in a way, I mean, that honestly kind of was my life as a kid in the South. Well, that's pretty heartwarming, and those are pretty powerful memories, and it sounds like it was a pretty wonderful uh, boyhood for you, Alex. You know, it was. It, it was. I mean, uh, we were poor and didn't know it. Um, the, do you remember the comedian Jeff Foxworthy? Oh, yeah. And he, he said, you know, you may be a redneck if you know how many bales of hay your car can hold. <laughs> See, uh, I took umbrage with that joke because we actually had hauled hay in the car. I mean, we honestly had, uh, I'm talking the church car, the family car that we drove to church on Sunday. We, we hauled hay in the car a time or two. So, I mean, we were just, you know, poor from the South. But um, my mom, she, she believed in, well, I'll put it this way, like 1954, um, she was president of the North Carolina Young Republicans, and she wrote some essay, and she got to go to Eisenhower's inauguration, and, uh, you know, she was uh, – I got to tell you this now. Le- lest what I'm about to say offends anybody, I'm only repeating something that was said by Becky McFarland at the historic <laughs> Buffalo Presbyterian Church. But so, – the church I grew up in, we've been in this church like 200 years, Buffalo Presbyterian. It's like a 275-year-old church, very historic. And it, it's a pretty conservative church, actually, but um, it's not, you know, like really out there. Like, I know they think I'm a radical witnessing to everybody and trying to be a soul winner. And But Buffalo was a good church. So the pastor, they had a harvest dinner for the senior adults. And you were supposed to dress up like in a Thanksgiving outfit or something. But it, it was right near Halloween. And so Dr. Bledsoe, the pastor at that time, of all things, dressed up in a devil's outfit with a pitchfork and a cape. <laughs> and my mom, it, it came her time to speak, and there's like 100 people in the fellowship hall. And she goes, well, I am so surprised at Dr. Bledsoe in that red cape and pitchfork uh, coming in the house of the Lord dressed like a Democrat. <laughs> anyway, my mom, she was spirited. She was feisty, yeah. Bill. She was feisty. Now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to offend anybody. I'm just telling you, I, I thought, you know, mom is gutsy. I'm proud of my mom. That's very sweet, Alex. That's very sweet. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I think people are relatively sensitive more so than ever before. So I think, you know, there's always a fine line. Um, yeah. And now that pe- well, people can respond on, you know, in more anonymous ways on texting and email and responding on uh, websites, on uh, newspapers, stories, it's it's um, sort of unleashed their, their inner critic, I think, more than ever. Yeah. Yeah, let me just encourage everybody listening to um, really, really, really appreciate your parents. You know, the Bible says, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land that the Lord your God gives you. And and I would just say this, um, as a pastor and as a counselor um, and, you know, as a college professor, I've dealt with lots and lots and lots of young people. And, Bill, a lot of people have stories about a family life they don't, you know, fondly remember. And they're mad at their parents and mom failed me in this area and dad was wrong in that area um guys and girls i'll just tell you um 
when when your parents pass away, it will hit you like a ton of bricks. And just show grace. I mean, they brought you into this world. They fed you. They changed you. They educated you. And I, I know there are family dynamics, but ask God to help you have love for your mom and dad because, um, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, Bill, as I'm sure you know, when they're gone, you can never get that back. So love them and tell them that you love them and appreciate them while you have an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, God will honor that. Yes. Such wise counsel, Alex. All right. Let me take a little break. Dr. Alex McFarland is my guest. We'll be right back. Alex McFarland, you can always head over to alexmcfarland.com. He's on his way to Lubbock, Texas this weekend to preach. Do you have your message all ready to go, Alex, or are you going to be busy writing it tonight? Uh, I think I've got him ready. Good. But, what, are, uh, what are you teaching on? Well, he wants to do, the pastor that invited me wants to do something along the lines of biblical worldview. Okay. And, Bill, I am going to be talking about um, one thing that is a threat to the biblical worldview in our culture. And, you know, the, uh, the topic of the classroom, it might take five or ten years, but what's going on in academia generally filters its way down to the street level. And have you, have you heard about or talked anything much about deconstructionism, Bill? Uh, no. Say more about well, that. Yeah, um, there is within Christian academics, quote-unquote, and again, I I have to use the word Christian loosely because really true Christianity acknowledges the authority of the Bible, and true Christianity recognizes that Jesus has risen from the dead, and Christ alone is our Savior, and, you know, true Christianity is, uh, uh, you know, being born again through Jesus and acknowledging Scripture and growing in the Lord, but there is, even within some Christian colleges, this philosophy that basically says truth is fluid and truth is changing and truth is shaped by the state of the culture. And uh, so I'm not going to get too heady and deep in my preaching this weekend. I want to be very simple and evangelistic. But uh, your listeners, I just felt like I would alert them. Deconstructionism is influencing a lot of Christian schools these days. And let's be practical here. When it comes to issues of our times like abortion, you know, the nature of sexuality and gender, look, we know what the Bible says. I mean, the Bible is clear. In Genesis 1:27, you know, God made man male and female, um, there is no way to be saved except through Jesus. Je- Jesus said that in John 8:24. So rather than face head-on these issues that we, we must repent, believe, and follow God's Word, deconstructionism says, well, you know, 
come on, we all have our own perspective and we we shape truth. And I mean, deconstructionism definitely rejects the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Deconstructionism, oh, absolutely rejects the biblical view of morals and marriage and sexuality. And deconstructionism uh, rejects the idea of judgment and hell for those that reject Jesus. And so we, we're very much in a battle of worldviews or philosophies. And more than ever, I think it's incumbent on the church to stand on the Word of God. And Alex, not only stand on it, but we have to make sure we're equipped and trained and know the Word of God. There, there's a need for biblical literacy like never before. Amen. Amen. Um, we, we need to know the Bible. You know, John 5.39, I love this verse. Jesus said in John 5.39, search the Scriptures, for they testify of me. And that's true. Jesus is the theme of the Bible, and we need to... If we're going to really know Christ, we do that by knowing the Bible. And Alex, I was in my Bible study this morning, and I was talking about 1 John 5, 3, which says, in fact, this is love for God, to keep His commands, and His commands are not burdensome. Amen. But if, Amen. We're, if we don't understand what the biblical teaching is, if we don't understand what, what the Word of God says regarding God's moral law, uh, we're going to have a. We're going to find them to be cumbersome, and we're not going to defend them well. Yeah, that's true. Um, in Luke uh, six forty six, Jesus asked the question. He said, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things I say?" And I mean, that's a really good question, isn't it? Uh, if if we're going to say Jesus is our Lord, then we've got to amend our lives in light of his revelation. And I love, you know, the first John 5, 3, his commands are not burdensome, like you said, because he gave, he gave his word in love, um, because God cares about our, our well-being and our good. But, hey, um, does this name ring a bell, um, Norm Geisler? Oh, yeah. Bill, do you remember? I sure do. Great defender of the faith. And again, I apologize for all the background noise. I'm in this airport. You're at the airport. That's okay. Dr. Geisler was a brilliant scholar, defender of the faith. I mean, he really was a unique combination of genius-level IQ and tender heart for Jesus. I mean, Geisler was brilliant. But he said many a time he would say in conferences, and I he, he said it to me personally, he said, in every generation, every generation of Christians has the assignment to reassert the authority of Scripture. Hmm. Um, he said, you know, there's some assignments that one generation has maybe that another generation doesn't necessarily have. But he said that if you look at the early church, the first three centuries of Christianity all the way up through the, the end of the 20th, beginning of the 21st century, he said, it seems like every generation has to defend the inerrancy and the authority of Scripture. And I would say that is certainly the case for the moment in which we live. Mm-hmm. But Alex, you are uh, serving the Lord and equipping young people uh, with your Truth for a New Generation uh, seminars and, and uh, yes. events. So it is important to reach 
young people and get them equipped and trained in God's Word so they can make an influence among their peers. Amen. Yeah. Hey, thank you for acknowledging that, Bill. Uh, it really, it really is important because Christianity is not just a feeling. Christianity is a a worldview, and it is a way of living. And I, I know that you know you're you're born again by putting your faith in Jesus. But Christianity, when it is believed and lived, it's an influence for cultural change. And um, it's not up on my website yet, but. We're going to be doing another Truth for a New Generation conference, October 15 through 17, the first TNG event post-COVID. Nice. Uh, so maybe um, in the weeks and months ahead, we can come on the show and invite your listeners and tell them about that. That would be that would be great. Um, I'm so appreciative, Alex, of you spending time. I loved hearing the story about your mom. It was very tender, um, and Thanks I think it, I think it will encourage other listeners because we're we're asking listeners to uh, to nominate their mom or their mentor, and uh, maybe even give a, a a little story of of their mom. So it's um it's infectious to hear such a loving story. Uh, very tender what you shared. It, Rosie and I both kind of teared up here. Uh-huh. Well, thanks for asking. I, I thank the Lord for my mom. Oh, indeed. She, she was godly. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about Christianity. Our loved ones that are gone on to heaven, thank you, Jesus. We're going to see them again. Yep, through all of eternity. Alex, thank you so much for spending time. And have a thanks, wonderful Steve. trip to Lubbock, Texas. Hey, thanks, Bill. You guys are the best. Thanks. Thanks, thanks so much. And we've got a really wonderful promotion I, I'm excited about. We've got a whole bunch of books to give away. And the book is called Fields of Gold, A Place Beyond Your Deepest Fears, A Prize Beyond Your Wildest Imaginations. We've got a generous number of copies uh, coming up in May that we're going to give away. And it's uh, by pastor and author Andy Stanley, and he explains how we can stop reaping fear and start reaping security, joy, and confidence as we understand a biblical perspective on money. And giving. That is available. All you have to do to, to enter and to see if you can get one is to go to myfaithradio.com. We got a whole, whole bunch of them. So starting tomorrow, be the first one on your block to uh, get up in the morning, have some coffee, have your quiet time, and go to myfaithradio.com and sign up to get one of those books. I think you'll enjoy it. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Beverly Canaris. We're going to look at the biblical understanding of foolishness. I can hardly wait. Be right back.
think of three Proverbs that I always have kind of in the back of my head at all times. Proverbs 18.2 says, a fool delights in airing his own opinions. <laughs> this is why I don't talk much on my show. Proverbs 15.5 says, a fool hates correction. And Proverbs 12.15 says, the fool thinks he's right all the time. So I always think of those three as kind of my my uh, trifecta of Proverbs that I keep in my mind regarding foolishness and to make sure I don't become a fool or a bigger fool (laughs) than I could be. So (laughs) Beverly Canaris is with me today. We're going to talk about the biblical understanding of foolishness. So glad to have you back on the show, Bev. Welcome. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. It's a fun topic, kind of, unless it really puts the finger on you. (laughs) Then it's not so fun. Yeah. Let's talk about foolishness and the biblical understanding of it. Well, um, interesting. Who who would you think of as far as actors and entertainers as being fools? Fools? Yeah. Well, people that intentionally want to appear foolish to get laughs. Right. Comedians. Right. Comedians. Yeah. Jerry Lewis. How about the Three Stooges? Do you like the Three Stooges? I love the Stooges. Don't get me started. Yeah. You know, I think it's a male thing. Yeah. Was there ever a script they rejected going, oh, no, this is even too stupid for us? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think so. So, So, yeah, we know these kind of We'll run it over Curly's head and he'll... Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, and the Marx Brothers, too. Oh, man. We could go on and on, but... Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, Jim Carrey. There's another one. So, (laughs) we know what a fool looks like and they really ham it up when it's in the entertainment field. And we can laugh at these people playing the fool. However, I don't think anyone wants to be a fool or play the fool. But it's really not unusual for us not to recognize when we are being the fool. Uh, We see it so quickly in others and find it easy to call them a fool. So this afternoon, for this little short time, we're going to be talking about this fool idea Let's examine our own lives. There may be areas where we are being foolish. So that's our topic, the fool. What does the Bible say about being a fool? Well, Proverbs, as you just read, those three classic ones uh, are wonderful ones about fools in that book. But Jesus had a lot to say about fools as well. So we're going to look at both of those today. We're going to look at some of these. We're also going to see um, that a a picture starts to emerge when we look at these verses in Scripture. Um, And you you really do get kind of a a personality type uh, picture of a person who's a fool when you look at these verses. Well, let's just start with the definition of a fool. This is one I made up after reading all these scriptures and thinking about it. I said, a fool is a person who lives in a universe of one, himself. God's wisdom is rejected for his own, and a fool lacks relational skills. A fool sets themselves above others. You know, a while ago, I looked at a character traits of a narcissist, and the narcissist and the traits of the fool that we're going to be going over here mm-hmm. really line up quite well. Why am I not surprised? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that an interesting yeah, thought, though? Because you hear the, tu- the term the narcissist more today than you even hear the word fool. But um, I do see some real similarities here. There's a classic story in the Old Testament in First Samuel 25 about a fool na- named Nabal. Nabal was married to a very wise wife, Abigail. 
and David had a run-in with Nabal, and Nabal was not treating David fairly. And David straps on his sword with 400 of his men, and he's off, and he's going to slaughter the house of Nabal. Well, Abigail heard about what uh, Nabal, how Nabal had offended David, and so she rushes out to meet him, not telling the 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 surly husband, as he's described, uh, rushes out to David with this with donkeys loaded down with with goods, payment for the security that David and his men gave uh, this man's shepherd, the shepherds and their flocks. So she falls at his feet, convinces him not to take revenge, and David is so grateful to her and calls her wise because he has kept her from revenge and shedding blood. She said, "This will keep you from having that guilty." conscience of shedding blood. So it's just a beautiful story of, you know, of really a fool of a man. In fact, the scripture says Nabal, his name means fool. And Abigail, we are, we always praise her for her wisdom. So that's kind of a fun place to start. Fools uh, reject doing the right thing. They reject God. They have relational problems. And obviously there was some relational problems in that home. Um, whereas someone who is wise is an advocate for godliness and doing the right thing. She really helped David here in a key moment in his life. So let's look at some of these traits now in Proverbs. First of all, a fool is not teachable. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 9 in Proverbs says, If you try to teach a fool, they'll hate you, but the wise will love you. This is really saying trying to confront a fool can be difficult because they tend to think that they know it all Mm -hmm. and they don't accept any kind of correction. In fact, what this is really saying is they'll often turn their own guilt and sin back on the person trying to help. I'm sure we can all think of instances where we've seen that happen, even guilty ourselves. Proverbs 12:15 says, "The way of the fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice." We are such fools if we will not accept correction, feedback, or training. So I have to ask myself, how teachable am I? Do I get defensive? Do I immediately start to rationalize whatever was what is mentioned? really a, a, a thing to consider. Proverbs twenty two fifteen encourages parents to train their children. Folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Now, of course, this doesn't mean beat your children, but rather train them and use consequences as a tool to protect them from being fools. And sometimes when there's no consequences, it's just all talk. We, we are raising fools. They're, they don't understand cause and effect of their behavior on others. A fool is also called unrighteous in Proverbs 14. Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. A fool doesn't follow God's ways, but thinks they know best. <laughs> and only living doing it their way, that's the only acceptable path for them. Really, the root sin of being a fool is pride. You, you could sum all of this yeah. up that I'm going to say in this next ha- time here. Just it's, it's really pride. And that's going to cause them to never admit that they might be wrong. <laughs> pride in the fool just rejects the idea of sin and excuses themselves while blaming others. 
So do we follow our own ways or do we live righteously? Are we humble with our sin and or do we blame others and excuse ourselves? Another thing, another trait of a fool is they're unrealistic. The fool is often the person with big dreams, but with little wisdom. They want to charge ahead, relying only on themselves. Proverbs 17. A discerning person keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Part of being unrealistic is a lack of self-awareness. It's only all about them, and they do not see the needs of others. They overestimate themselves and their abilities. The folly of fools is deception. Proverbs 14, 8. I wonder, are we all talk or do we have action behind our words when we speak? Another trait, a fool is shown to be a fool, especially by what comes out of their mouth. There's lots of them Mm -hmm. on this one. (laughs) So many of the Proverbs about fools point to the mouth as a real problem. Proverbs 12, the prudent keeps their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. In other words, there's a they lack self-control and feel like they always need to add their two cents on everything. Mm-hmm. The fool's insecurity wants to appear wise, but actually when they open their mouths, they often reveal their folly or their wrong thinking. Proverbs 18, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And you quoted that at the beginning One of, of the show. Yeah. yeah, it's worth saying a second time, Bev. It is. It is. Let me say that again. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. And boy, do we have a culture that is eager to do this, right? Well, we don't talk to each other. We just wait for the other person to stop talking so we can start talking. Right. We don't listen. We just exchange parallel mm-hmm. monologues. Yeah. Yeah. We're really not listening, are we? I don't think so. I don't either. I don't either. Going on then in Proverbs 18, it says, the mouths of the fools are their undoing and their lips are a snare to their very lives. Proverbs 17, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. You know, so I've, I've said that to myself many times, just shut up. Don't open those lips and just let it go. You know, it's time to be still. Um, here's a question for us, though. Do our tongues reveal us to be fools? Do we find that our tongue is unrestrained? Do we always need to have that last word and be right? Oof. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. We're he- All of us are kind of hearing conversations we've recently had. Mm-hmm. Also, a fool's words are described as perverse. That's a pretty strong word. In other words, they're, they're hurting others. They're affecting other people. In 1018, it says, Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. It can be such a temptation to gossip, but when we're gossiping, we're playing the fool. If we're saying something that's not true, we are being a fool. So we have to ask ourselves, are our words building up or tearing down? Are we self-controlled or do we have a hard time with taming our tongue? The tongue always gives away the fool. So what are a few other characteristics of the fool? Another characteristic from Scripture is that they are unwise. Now, we already learned that they were not teachable, but this specifically has to do with wisdom. This is a very serious warning about forsaking wisdom. A key verse is in Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but 
fools despise wisdom and instruction. These chapters are so many pictures of God's wisdom, chapters 1 through 4 in Proverbs. And it's so readily available, but it's rejected by the fool. 129, out in the open, wisdom calls out. Verse 21, on top of the wall, she cries out. So wisdom is available for everyone if we will just look to God and his wisdom, the ultimate source of wisdom. The key to having true wisdom, says here in Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord, or to look to him and receive his word as truth and your source of wisdom. To reject him and his wisdom, he is wisdom, he has all wisdom. To reject that and think you have more, um, that really is being a fool. These early chapters of Proverbs not only warn, but also promise a lot of blessing when we pursue God's wisdom in our lives. Another sobering trait is that the fool is undisciplined with their temper and their emotions. You don't Um, have to get personal. (laughs) I don't see that, Bill. (laughs) I don't see it. Proverbs 12, 16 says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. That's a good one. That's a really good one. That's what a is that really again? good one. That was Proverbs twelve 16. I'll read it again. Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Mm-hmm. Isn't that wow. descriptive? Now, we would call these people, these fools, touchy, right? Oh, they're touchy. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, they're not patient or long-suffering no by any means. No sense of humor. No sense of humor. Um, you kind of got to tiptoe around them. Eggshells. Yep. The fool does not control their emotions, and they let too many things set them off. They're, they're a, you know, a loaded gun all the time. Mm-hmm. Such people like this, we tend to want to avoid. We learn to avoid just out of that kind of behavior. Proverbs 29 says, A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man holds its back. So self-control is a fruit of the spirit, but the fool lacks that. Proverbs fourteen sixteen: a fool is hot-headed and yet feels very secure. <laughs> oh, just... So there's a quick-tempered person, hot-headed as we'd call them, really does foolish thing. And directly to the foolish woman, she tears down her home with her own hands. Uh, that, that stops you, especially when you're a woman, when you realize, am, am I tearing down my own home by how destructive I am towards my husband right now. This is really undermining the very uh, base of our home here. Um, I think that that is a really powerful Yeah, I think we should take a little break. As we go to break, I'll quote uh, my friend Billy Shakespeare that said, the wise man knows himself to be a fool. The fool thinks himself to be wise. Be right back with Beverly, Beverly Canaris. about foolishness today and a biblical understanding of foolishness. Beverly Canaris is my guest. 
Bev, I'm looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 12. The words of a wise man's mouth win him favor, but the lips of a fool consume him. Isn't that good? Oh, these are really strong warnings, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Some of the strongest in Scripture, really. I agree. Um, uh, it's it's definitely a topic to ponder. Uh, maybe if your listeners want to go through the whole book of Proverbs and just circle all the ones that talk about a fool and make a list of what makes you a fool, I think that that could be very instructive for all of us. Another trait of a fool is a fool repeats their mistakes <laughs> uh, because they're not teachable, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. just Those two kind of go together. They hate correction. Yeah. Proverbs 26 says, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Mm-hmm. Now, we've heard that expression over and over again, but we, we kind of drop short after a dog return, like a dog returning to his vomit. We, we need the whole verse there, is a fool who repeats his folly. So we've been talking about the emotional lack of emotional control that a fool has. So how is our emotional control? Could we be that fool that others are avoiding because we are so temperamental or explosive? Do we see our own foolishness when we repeat our sin, our mistakes, our our relational errors again and again with no repentance? Proverbs 14.9, fools mock at making amends for sin. But goodwill is found among the upright. So a fool doesn't want to go back and make things right. Now from the New Testament, I told you that Jesus had a lot to say about fools too. And I look at three stories that Jesus told, these little kind of parable type things. And um, these are three things that he said the fool will not be prepared for that we all should be prepared for. The first of all is the Lord's return. This is in the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins in Matthew 25. There were 10 virgins waiting for the bridegroom. Five were wise and had oil in their lamps. The other five were foolish. The bridegroom arrives and the foolish um, uh, virgins have to go and buy more oil. The wise ones go in. The doors are shut. The uh, The foolish ones are excluded. So it's just a way of saying be prepared. Be in the kingdom, be a part of my people, have the oil, have the Holy Spirit, be a person ready for my return. So we don't know exactly when it's going to be, but it's the foolish who are not ready for the Lord at any time. Another time he told a story about uh, being prepared to die. And that's in Luke 12. Jesus tells of a foolish man who built many big barns. He was very rich in this world, but he was poor towards God. And God called him foolish because he was, he, he built up this huge kingdom for himself, but he had nothing towards God. Another thing we need to be prepared for, we don't want to be a fool. A fool builds his own life on the sand. And when the storms of life come, of course, you know what happens. The house is destroyed. It won't stand. So this is contrasted with the person who builds on the rock, God. who is God. That's our rock. Um, So are we wise or foolish builder of our lives? Do we have the right foundation? Are we storing up riches toward God? Are we prepared to meet him? Are we wise or are we a fool in these three areas of preparation in our life? Well, I think it's important to kind of close this talk a little bit about the um, the fool with another part of this truth. Psalm 
14 says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. So to access God's wisdom, we have to see our need and humbly come to him. Proverbs, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children, it will be a refuge. I don't know. I've got three children and 10 grandchildren, and I really like that verse. Mm-hmm. That um, whoever fears the Lord has that secure fortress. Fearing the Lord is knowing God as the first and the final word on all things, not ourselves, like the fool does. It's seeing him as he is and seeing yourself in then proper perspective to him. It's not being afraid when we say we fear the Lord, but it's being a respect, um, immense respect for all who God is. Now, 1 Corinthians also talks about the wisdom and the foolishness and so forth, and in kind of a twist way. Um, We read that the wisdom of God in the gospel is seen as foolishness to those who are outside the faith. Interesting twist Mm -hmm. on that, isn't it? That's uh, but those 14, outs- isn't it? Yes. With those, those without the Holy Spirit are not going to see, it, it doesn't make sense to them. They don't know why. 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29, listen to this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were. When you were called, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's us, the foolish things. Before Christ, before coming to faith, we are all fools. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the wise so that no one can boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. And that is our righteousness and our holiness. So the ultimate anti-fool is come to Christ, come to him, come to the cross, come to understand who Christ is and why he had to die for your sin. Receive him who is our wisdom, recognize and put off our foolish ways. And then third, seek the salvation of others who are fools by proclaiming the foolishness then of the cross. And Bill, I think you had a wonderful verse to add there too. Well, from uh, I love Proverbs, Proverbs nineteen. Proverbs nineteen three says, "A man's own foolish acts destroy his life, but his heart is angry with the Lord." So, in other words, a person blows up his own life, and then he's mad at God. <laughs> it, it's not uncommon. I see it often. It's not yeah. uncommon. Yeah, it's not uncommon because. In their inner being, they know that God is responsible for all things. So even though they've disregarded God, they still think that God is responsible for their pain. And they're responsible. They've made poor choices for and are responsible for that. But that uh, carries with it a lot, a lot of wisdom. So, Bill, what's your biggest takeaway from all these verses on the fool? Um, Just to remind myself to be slow to speak quick to listen mm-hmm. because the minute you open your mouth and you say something impulsive, you're going to quite likely say something foolish yeah. in that moment. Yeah. And I think for me too, I, I, I want to make sure I'm not going on my own wisdom. Um, you know, in my little universe of one, yeah. I want to make sure I am looking to others and I am looking to, um, 
you know, be corrected if, when needed, and also looking to the Lord for the wisdom that I need, not thinking I know everything. Yeah, I think or having if, to have the last word, huh? Totally. <laughs> I think of the three Ps. I was saying that today once already. Pause, pray, proceed. Excellent. If you can, you know, that the hardest part is the pause when you when you feel flooded or you want to say something, and if you can pause for a minute and then pray and then proceed, I think you're going to be saying fewer foolish things. True. And not as defensive. Yeah. And you're really giving that person the courtesy of really listening. Yeah. And that's how we love others. That's so true. Fun study. I just got a nice message from a listener, Bev. They're loving this study. And just make the connection between lip speech and the way people speak on social media in ways they would never speak to someone's face. That's so true. Oh, there's a great example. Thank that, you for, for yeah. including that. Talk about that. foolishness. Yeah. Yeah. And the destruction that can be done. It's so painful. Mm-hmm. So painful. I've seen it again and again. And I go back and forth myself with it. I just, sometimes I hate it. Sometimes I like it, but it can really be, there can be a lot of foolishness that you have to sift through on that social networks. Yes. What a great study on foolishness. Get in the book of Proverbs and read, circle the name, the the word foolishness every time in the book of Proverbs and then study it because it's good for all of us. Thank you, Beverly Canaris, for being here. Thank you, Bill. All right. We're going to take a little break. Hour two is just ahead. Don't go anywhere. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.